Megamorphs 3 Alfangor's Secret Prologue Arthas Alfangor Cyrenel Shamtul was done with war, sick to death of it. He had caused the yerk infestation of his own prince and created the abomination now called Visser 3. He had been unable to save his friend and fellow Arthas, Arbron, now trapped forever in the body of a taxon. Disaster piled on disaster. Failure on failure. Now he was done with it all. He had escaped to the planet called Earth, along with Lauren, the human he loved. He would morph to human, live as a human, get lost amid the humans. Maybe, even somehow, some way, find happiness. But he still had possession of the greatest weapon the galaxy had ever known. The Time Matrix. The Time Matrix could travel backward through time the way a Z-spacecraft could travel through space. It gave the person who controlled it power beyond imagining. A person traveling backward could rewrite history. Using the Time Matrix, entire species could be exterminated. More than exterminated. They could be made never to have existed. It was too much power to trust to anyone. Especially, Alfangor thought bitterly, a failure like him. The Time Matrix was a sphere, taller than a human. Destroying it was physically impossible. But it could be hidden. For a while, at least. He found an empty place. Nothing but trees. Using only the equipment available to any human, he dug a hole and rolled the device into it. He covered it. And then, he morphed to human. Two hours later, he was no longer an Andalite. He was trapped. Human. Human forever. No longer a part of the vast war raging between Andalite and Yurk. He was free. Or so he thought. Many years later, he returned to the same spot, desperate enough to try to use the Time Matrix. The spot had become a construction site. This time, there would be no escape. His time ran out, just a few yards from the machine that could have given him all the time in the world. Chapter 1 Tobias My name is Tobias. In the history of Earth, I may be the strangest creature ever to live. I mean it. You have to look at mythology to find anything as weird as I am. Maybe the griffin, which was supposed to be half lion and half eagle. Or the centaur, half human and half horse. Or whatever. But those are myths. I am reality. I am half human, half hawk. Red-tailed hawk, actually. 
Buteogemisensis. Like that tells you much. Homo sapiens, meet Buteogemisensis. But that's not even the end of the story. Because in addition to that bizarreness, there's this. My father was an Andalite who had morphed to human. So you could say that I'm Homo sapiens, Buteogemisensis, and Andalite. What would be the Latin name for Andalites? Don't know. Is the glass half empty or half full? That's what they always ask, to see if you're an optimist or a pessimist. Am I some kind of hideous freak of nature? A twisted concoction of mismatched parts? Or am I something new and wonderful? Depends on the day. Depends on whether I'm with Melissa, wanting to make her happy, wanting her to hold my hand, wanting to be able to take her to a movie and a burger afterward like any other guy can do with a date. Maybe even hold her hand. Maybe kiss her. Maybe... Yeah, at times like that, the glass is half empty. But there are other times. Times when the sun is high and hot. When the cumulus clouds are like gigantic mountains floating through a blue sky. Times when the warm air billows up beneath my wings, and I barely have to flap. And all of a sudden, I'm so high. So totally... Absolutely free. Free in a way I never was as a human. Free to soar and soar, alone, nothing but the sound of the wind ruffling across my feathers. And on those days, the glass is spilling over. This was a full glass day. I was high in the air. I don't know, maybe a thousand feet up? The beach just ahead of me. A sweet thermal lifting me up. I could see the ocean. I could see the beach and all the people spread out there. On a day like this, it was hard to be a pessimist. Yeah, Earth was being invaded by the Yurks. Yeah, all that stood against them were five kids and one Andalite, with the useful power to absorb the essence, what Axe calls DNA, of animals, and then morph into them. And, yes, we were probably even losing the last war that humanity might ever fight as a free species. But on a stunning day like this, what I saw spread out below me was not possible controllers, but people having a nice day at the beach, loving the sun, loving the warmth, taking it easy. Even the slaves, standing by to attend their masters and mistresses, seemed to be having a good time. Chapter 2 Jake Tobias came swooping in through the open hayloft. It's clear, he reported. I gave him a slight nod of the head, but I didn't acknowledge his presence beyond that. Cassie's slave girl was still in the room, cleaning out the cage of an injured and very vocal goose. And, as Cassie is always reminding us, the fact that a slave may not be as bright as a regular person does not mean they can't tell tales. This particular slave was mostly deaf, which, of course, partly accounted for her status but Cassie claimed the girl was otherwise reasonably smart. Cassie grabbed the girl's arm to get her attention, then, enunciating very clearly, said, You can go now, September 12. Yes, Mithwith, the girl mumbled in her guttural, barely understandable speech. It came out, Yes, Mithwith. She turned and left the room. Melissa looked up at Tobias and winked. Been out flying? You know it. The way the weather has been lately, 
I wouldn't miss a day like this. Alex arrived a moment later. Margot was with him. So, what's up? Margot demanded. What's this meeting about? Don't you realize I have important stuff going on? I lead a busy, busy life. Really? Melissa asked naively. Melissa has never really gotten Marco's sense of humor. Marco, are you hanging out with your imaginary friends again? Tobias asked. Excuse me, but I no longer need friends, real or imagined. I was playing Pong. My dad bought one for us. It's so cool. Even my mom was into it, which, in a way, is sad. Because seriously, who wants to be doing stuff with their mom? Be nice to your mom, Tobias said. She'll probably end up being your prom date someday. Everyone laughed. Except Ux, of course, who had no idea what a prom was, or why it would be funny to have your mom as a date. He's not one of us, so what can you expect? We have information from the Chi, I said. That made Marco groan. Swell. Trouble. It always is. You know, Eric never contacts us to say, Hey, let's have fun. It's always, Hey, how would you all like to go and get yourselves killed? What does Eric have? Melissa asked. He has information that the Yurks are putting together a new front organization. This one, unlike the sharing, is aimed at a very specific target. What target? Ux asked. Our troops, I said. Especially troops being sent to the war in Brazil. Cassie made a skeptical face. Why would the Yurks want to make controllers of troops heading toward the jungle? What do they care whether we wipe out a bunch of primitives? It's not the war they care about, I said. It's that things are tough for our boys down there. And I guess harsh conditions like that make it easy to get recruits. I mean, you're in the jungle, right? You figure, how much worse can life get? But most of the troops survive the war. They come back home, and the Empire rewards them with homesteads, slaves, cars, and so on. Lots of times they get jobs in government, or else stay in the army. Suddenly, the Yurks have another one of their own in a position of power. What are we supposed to do about it? Melissa asked. That's thousands of miles away. I shrugged. I don't know. But what are we supposed to do? Sit around while the Yurks destroy the war effort? Let the jungle rats continue to take up valuable land that we need? Yeah, it would be a pity if some of the primitives escaped alive, Cassie said. I shot a look at her. Had that been sarcasm? She smiled blandly. I had long suspected that Cassie might have slightly radical tendencies. A lot of blacks did. Blacks and a lot of Jews, although not in my family. My dad was a certified POE, Patriot of Empire. Still, if you had any Jewish blood in you at all, you had to be extra careful so no one thought you were a radical. I knew Cassie was soft-hearted toward her own slaves, but I'd never heard her make any kind of subversive remarks about the war. I'd always just assumed she was sentimental. Even now, it was impossible to be sure what her tone of voice meant. I'm not very good at that kind of thing. I'm a mostly straightforward kind of guy. It might have been an innocent remark. Or not. I felt my stomach churn. We couldn't denounce Cassie as a subversive. We knew for a fact that the Triple S was heavily infiltrated by Yerkes. Denounce her to the Triple S, 
and we might as well just turn her over to the Yurks. And then all was lost. What was I supposed to do? I intercepted Marco's gaze. He gave me a slight nod. A told you so nod. The question was, where would Melissa stand if it came down to eliminating Cassie? I knew Melissa was no radical, but she was Cassie's best friend, despite being white. I shook my head, trying to focus. The Yurks. They were my problem. Not radicals. If the human race survived the Yurks, we'd have all the time in the world to round up the radicals and take care of them. In the meantime, I gave Cassie a blank look, not acknowledging what she might have meant. We have to try and deal with this. Personally, I don't want a world filled with primitives any more than I want a world filled with yurks. Jungle rats and slugs, Morgo said with a laugh. Now there's a nice world for decent people to live in. Wonderful! Wonderful! I love it! The voice was unknown. I spun around, ready to do battle. Standing there, as though it had appeared from thin air, stood a creature who could not possibly be from Earth. It looked, at first glance, like the mating of a small dinosaur and a large prune. It had two legs and balanced its body with a stubby tail. The hands were weak, flimsy things, with too many joints. The head didn't fit with the bird-like body. It was humanoid in shape, with a narrow, lower jaw and big, mocking eyes. The skin was wrinkled like a prune. The flesh was dark, almost jet black, relieved only by green that rimmed the eyes and mouth. Who are you? I snapped. Me? Oh, I'm hurt. Devastated. You don't remember your old friend, the drowned? Chapter 3. Jake. I've never seen you before in my life, I said. Perhaps. Yerk, Melissa said. Some new host body. Marco, I said. He nodded. He began to slowly morph to Grizzly Bear, his favorite morph. Who are you? Axe demanded. Or should I say, what? The creature grinned. You, at least, are no different. Shut up, Axe, I snapped. I am supreme leader here. I'll ask the questions. Having put one pushy alien in his place, I moved back to the other. What do you want? I demanded. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw Marco changing. The creature sighed. Well, as much fun as it is to see you all this way, I suppose for us to move on, I'll have to return you, temporarily at least, to your usual condition. Sanctimonious, self-righteous, and utterly tedious. There was no flash of light. No bang. Nothing changed. Except that everything changed. I changed. Suddenly, instantly, I was a different person. I stared at the drode. I knew now who he was. What he was. Whom he served. I shot a look at Cassie, then at the girl standing beside her. Melissa was gone. Rachel was there. So glad you're back with us, Rachel, the drode leered. You know you're still my favorite animorph. 
What was all that? Marco demanded, mid-morph. Some kind of hallucination? No, no, no! The droid said. It is glorious reality! Big Jake! Jake the perfect leader! Jake the compassionate! Nothing more than a jumped-up little dictator with delusions of grandeur! Princess are being called a supreme leader! No, that was not reality! Cassie snapped. I do not own a slave. That's sickening. What are you talking about? And where was I? Rachel demanded. I was thinking how I'd have to turn Cassie in for not approving of some war down in Brazil, I admitted. That's not reality. I will tell you about the reality, the droid said eagerly. Your country is an empire ruled by terror and torture. It has made war on the nations of the South. It slaughters peoples it calls primitives. It enslaves anyone with an IQ below 80, as well as anyone with what you call defects. All in all, it's my kind of place. That's bull, Marco said hotly. I assure you it is all true. The Yurks are within months of consolidating control. The lack of freedom among humans has made their conquest ever so much easier. Your few books, your two radio stations, your single television channel are all censored. Your technology is 50 years beyond where it should be. Poverty is widespread. Curable diseases run rampant. Some women are forced to breed to repopulate the dominant white race, while at the same time, in the major cities, the poor and homeless are rounded up and shot. Jake, let me take care of this little worm, Rachel said. What's this all about, Drode? I asked. I wasn't at all sure I wouldn't take Rachel up on her offer. The time matrix, the Drode said. What? Exus Stuckeye snapped around to stare. That's a myth. No such device ever existed. Existed, the droid said. It exists. It was founded by a lonely human controller who uses the name John Berryman. He's an actor, not a very successful one. A lonely controller whose joke was, until he lost the battle for Lyra, none other than Visser Fowler. And why did he lose the battle for Lyra? Why? Because both of you! Ironic, eh? What does this have to do with all that other stuff? The Yuk, the foreman, Mr. Thor, has used the time matrix. He has traveled backward in time and is changing historical events. He's rewritten the past in an effort to bring about a Yuk victory and give himself greater power. You, the other yous, are unaware that life was ever any different. You've all been raised in an environment of delightfully ferocious oppression. It's all quite wonderful. But slavery? Some genocidal war? Cassie said, her voice cracking. Why are you here? Rachel demanded. The droid sighed. Sadly, I am here to offer you the chance to undo it all. He spread his hands wide and smiled a hideous smile. 
I want to help. Chapter 4 Cassie I laughed. You want to help? You, meaning Cryak. Yes! It's rather puzzling, isn't it? The drone mocked. Why would you help? Axe asked. It's all part of a deal. My master, the great and glorious Cryak, and your friend, the simpering, meddling, nitwit called the Animist, have a deal. In other words, this time matrix could endanger Cryak himself, Marco translated. The droid laughed. You can't be a fool. Nothing threatens great Cryak. However, one doesn't want mere baboons wondering about the time matrices, does one? Who knows what harm they might do? Oh, sure, it's all fun and games when they end up starting genocidal wars or endangering with hatred. Yeah, what's more fun than that? Rachel said dryly. But who knows what other damage a fool with such power may do? Cryot could grab the Time Matrix himself, Jake said. He has that power. <laughs> the Drode said. Cryot and the Elemist were to humans. What humans are to ants. Nearly omnipotent creatures. One evil. One good. Perhaps. We could never be entirely sure. The rules, Tobias said. That's the problem. The rules of the game between Cryak and the Elemist. Neither trust the other with the Time Matrix. They don't need it themselves, but they might give it to their allies. The droid put his hand to his ear. You mentioned a deal, Marco said. Yes, the droid said. A deal. And here it is. The six of you would be allowed to follow the time matrix. The former Mr. Four set off on his journey two days ago. You will be translated back to that point. And then the quota that make up your atoms will be... Good word for simple minds to comprehend. You'll be fine-tuned at the subatomic level to resonate with the movements of the time matrix as it travels through time. Your own memories and personalities will, of course, be buffered, protected against changes. Resulting in what effect? Axe demanded. Resulting in the effect that, like an echo, you will follow the time matrix. It blocks the cords of time, and you reverberate. He stopped and shook his head in admiration of his own words. Brilliantly explained, eh? That's the deal? Jake asked. That's it? There's something else, isn't there? I asked the droad. The droad laughed. Oh, yes! There is something else, little Cassie. Cassie the killer with the conscience! Kill him, then cry over him! That's our Cassie! What's the something else? I repeated, not letting the evil little creep see that his words had hit home. My master, Clark, has demanded a price. A payment. A payment? Uh-huh. The droid said, in a parody of coyness.
What? What of you? The droid said. You can attempt to save your reality, but everything back where it belongs. End slavery. Replace tyranny with democracy. Millions of lives saved. Let freedom bring glory. Hallelujah. In exchange for one single life. A life? I asked. The life of one of you. That is my master client's price. One of you must die. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, first of all, thank you for being patient uh, as I got this out a day late. This is also technically uh, an extra, uh, a chapter more than I normally do, but I think I did the math right, and this will allow me to do three chapters per episode till the end, and it'll come out to an even number, uh, and that's why I did it. I was late for other reasons as well. Um, I just had a shorter amount of editing time because uh, I, I had some stuff going on. Nothing bad, but um, it did impact this. So thank you for waiting, I guess. Uh, we're here. Uh, brand new book. Not only a brand new book, uh, Megamorphs. And not only a Megamorphs, uh, alt history, uh, evil uh, Megamorphs, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get back to, uh, some of my thoughts about, uh, evil America in a sec, but, uh, first, uh, I have a message from, uh, Tim, uh, on the Gmail, that's audiomorphscast at gmail.com, who writes in saying, uh, hi, my name is Tim, and I just started listening to your podcast in September of 2023, and I'm already on episode 193. When I got to where you said send messages in, I wanted to, but I thought, well... I have to catch up and then send one, but I've been enjoying it so much I just couldn't wait. I love your voice and how much effort you put into this, and I appreciate it because I have severe ADHD, and reading physical books is hard for me, and most audiobooks don't keep my attention. But something about the way you read works. Uh, I think it feels like for most audiobooks, the narrator is reading at me, and you are reading to me. Anyway, thank you so much for doing this. I've got 120-some-odd eps to catch up. I don't know if you're still putting messages in the end or not, but if you are, I look forward to being surprised. Well, surprised him, I am, and I've read your message on air. Uh, thank you so much for writing in. Uh, I also, uh, well, I should say I don't have a diagnosis, but uh, I, I've done some reading, and I believe pretty strongly that I also have ADHD, um, which I... <laughs> Thanks to TikTok sounds a little cringe to me, but like it's the truth. Um, it, it does impact my life. Some days are bad brain days. I totally get where you're coming from. Um, I'm I'm glad that this uh, that this works for you. Then I uh, yeah, cool. <laughs> I I don't know if maybe that's because I also have ADHD, so I'm I'm reading in a way that appeals to my brain, or if it's just a fun coincidence. Who could say? But uh, thank you for writing in, Tim. I enjoyed that. If you'd like to write in like Tim, that uh, you can do that through, of course, the Gmail, audiomorphscast.gmail.com, the Tumblr, audiomorphscast.tumblr.com, through my website, theapodcalypse.com. That's the apocalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, and you can also tweet at me, at Twitter, which is also where you should... Not at Twitter, goodness. Don't don't check at Twitter, which I don't even know is a, is a thing anymore. Uh, on Twitter, uh, at audiomorphs. 
which is also what you should check if uh, I'm ever late like I was this week. I'll, I'll have posted on there properly. Uh, you can also leave me a rating and review uh, through Apple Podcasts. I'll check that as well. Um, and otherwise, uh, just hang out. Thank you for listening. Uh, I said I'd get back to my thoughts on Evil America, and here we are. We're back. Uh, I just think it's very funny because it, it, <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, K. Applegate's political background beyond being generally progressive. Uh, and I don't know how exaggerated, uh, this evil version of America at the beginning of this book is supposed to be versus, um, you know, reality. But, like, a lot of the things that were in here are already true about America. Um, empire? Check. Wages war on the South? Check. Uh, slavery? Surprisingly, check. Uh, if, if you aren't in the know, this, this got blown up, um, a few years back with that documentary on Netflix. But, uh, the 13th, 13th Amendment that, uh, outlaws slavery has a stipulation within it, uh, that says... Uh, slavery is illegal unless uh, you are in prison, um, and that is your introduction to the prison industrial complex. Uh, for more, uh, check out Angela Angela Davis's book. Are prisons up? Op- uh, are prisons obsolete? Um, but check. Uh, um, and you know, a lot of times dystopian authors are just drawing from their contemporary world they live in uh, when when they invent the bad things in their dystopia, their futuristic dystopia. So maybe, you know, Miss Applegate was just looking around at the 90s in America, which is still pretty bleak, right? Um, Where AIDS epidemics around, you know, the Gulf Wars. I'm sure we were overthrowing someone in South America around the 90s. You know, I don't, my geopolitics uh, for the 90s are a little shaky, but not great, right? (laughs) So uh, I I don't know how much is uh, her just imagining what, like, evil America is, how much is her satirizing actual, you know, who could say? I was just saying that I read that, uh, that list of things from the Joe, and I was like, honestly, we're, you know, also, you know, 2023 is different from 1996 or whenever this was published, um, but I was reading the list, doesn't seem that far off, all I'm saying. Um, I also think it's, uh, funny that... they wanted to do this, um, like, uh, what, what if the Animorphs were, were raised in an evil country and had evil values? Um, and, and, you know, to demonstrate that, you know, things like slavery and such, um, but, but because they are, because they're such a diverse group, uh, it, it feels weird, doesn't it? Um, that's in this old history, somehow America has still become a, uh, imperial, racist, uh, oppressive regime of a country, um, but also that the racism is just like uh, modern 90s day racism where uh, you don't trust black people or Jews, um, but they aren't, we have a slave class and they aren't a part of it, which feels weird, right? Um, I thought the stuff with like Jake's family, uh, his dad being a POE, interesting, right? Um, certainly examples of that sort of thing historically do exist as well. Uh, but just like, the, I don't know, the idea that like America reintroduces a slave class and somehow avoids placing black people in them. Cause that is like the, the, 
foundational uh, schism of of America, right? It's like the re- part of the reason America is such a divided and and incoherent country is because it can't grapple with the fact that it's built on uh, the dual genocides of the Native Americans and uh, black chattel slavery, uh, and, and so like I, for me, uh, it it was very that was that was the most unbelievable part about the whole thing, right? Evil empire rages war on the south, rounds up the homeless and kills them all on board. Um, somehow that we have we have legalized slavery again, but um, only against the disabled. Hmm. I I understand why it had to be that way. I agree that Kay Applegate also shouldn't have made um, you know, Cassie a slave. That would have been worse. But uh, it does make um for me a cognitive dissonance. Those are my thoughts. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm rambling a bit. Uh, it's gotten a little warm in this room, and I'm feeling a little goofy. But uh, thank you for listening, and I'll see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>